Hello and welcome to Theme Park Real Talk, the show that talks about theme parks and our feels about them, good or bad. I'm Amy and this is Annie and we're not here to hold back and we hope you don't either. Just to get dive right in, uh, the holiday season, even though it is as of today, uh, mid-October, the holiday season has been returning to the theme parks uh, on both coasts. Uh, a friend of mine who works at Universal Studios says that uh, she spotted Christmas decorations going up in Seussland. I feel so like this is that. too early. <laughs> like, really? There's too much overlap. There should be a cutoff. Like they're still doing Halloween Horror Nights. How are you going to have right down the street? having Christmas Dr. Seuss right next to right. Halloween. Like it's just, you know, it's just mixed messages, I feel. But yeah, they are they are starting to put up uh, Christmas decorations and little, not the whole, all of Universal Studios, just the, just Seuss. So I guess I, maybe they're another one of the cases we talked about last, last week where, uh, where the Harry Potter land, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, doesn't have a tie-in to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling doesn't allow it. Maybe the Dr. Seuss estate is the same way because I'm pretty sure you don't get scare actors <laughs> in the cat and the hat, oh, right? Yeah. I think that would be a little weird. So I could kind of maybe see maybe that's like the kid-friendly mm. uh, zone. So maybe that's why they are doing it. But it is as of as of this morning, Christmas things are, are up and afoot at Universal Studios. Do you know if they started that this week or last week or... They started today. Like oh, today. just today. Okay. Yeah, it, literally this morning. This morning was when they first started putting Christmas decorations. If you go right now to Universal Studios, it is the only section in Universal Studios Orlando. It's the only section with Christmas decorations because everything else is all Halloweened out still because it is, right. again, mid-October. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was just thinking a Disneyland has their specials about when they transition into their seasons, and they specifically at, like, Midnight, November 1st, that transition from October 31st, you go to Disneyland on November 1st, instantly things are Christmas. Like they do it overnight and then they do it more throughout the week until let's see, they're opening starting November 12th and they'll have all the Christmas decorations up, but they'll start putting it up at least gradually. So at least we have a little bit of transition or you can at least like feel like you're transitioning from Halloween to a more holiday season. And we skip straight over Thanksgiving because who needs those decorations? <laughs> what is the Thanksgiving theme anyway? You know, but yeah, like turkey banners on the wall or whatever. <laughs> You just need Christmas and the castle's going to be decorated in snow. So I don't know. I guess different parks do it different ways, but they, they do. Fun. They do like, like Epcot is having the food and wine festival until I think the third week of November. And then going forward is when they do all their festival of holidays. So each world pavilion gets its own theme regarding, you know, whatever country it's from. It has traditions represented. So, so it has like the major scene in Italy and it has, I know they did the, the Christmas Beauty and the Beast scene uh, in France and they have different regarding whatever tradition they have each country's pavilion. Uh, but that is, they do try to sustain, uh, they do have that sort of compartmentalized between food and wine and the holidays. So it's sort of the cutoff there. But I think that I think that's over November 19th. So it's cutting it pretty close to the wire in terms of like the holiday season. Not so much with October, a month earlier, you know, over Universal, they're starting to put up wreaths at Dr. Seuss land. So. Well, they did start doing, are they doing, what did they do in August? Was it holiday parties or? 
No, it's not holiday parties for Walt Disney World. It's um, Halloween parties, right? They yes. start their they start their boo bashes and everything on yes. in in August. So I mean, they're just trying to get ahead of all all the holidays. All the I know, I know. And speaking of boo bash, there is some theorizing going on because they did introduce zombie Captain America as a face character this week in uh, in some of the parks and there's a lot of speculation about what it means because it is kind of I mean it's scary it's it's very realistic zombie prosthetics and makeup and so some of the speculation is that they were kind of testing it out to see how audiences reacted to it and that perhaps it might signal that next year they might step up their Halloween festivities to be a little bit more on par and more immersive a la Halloween Horror Nights, which is a hugely spectacularly successful undertaking. So to sort of compete with that, there's a speculation that maybe there that might be, I don't have any insider info as to whether or not that's the case. It might just be some random face actor they're just throwing out there for Halloween, you know, just be a one-time thing. Uh, but that is speculation right now among the Disney community is that this is sort of testing the waters to see how Disney audiences do with Halloween Horror Nights-esque kinds of, you know, scares because he's really creepy and he does right. full yeah, attack him. people. Yeah. So um, he's we'll, got call like this, full... um, we'll call this theme, talk, theme park real talk speculation. <laughs> like... Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we don't know. There's no, there's no official word, but it's possible, you know, that they, they have clearly invested a lot of time and research into zombie Captain America and how well he'll play with the audiences during this time of year and with everything else they have going on in the parks. And it's made a big, big splash. So I will, you know, I'm going to call it that next year we might have creepier, more intense Halloween festivities. Everybody seems to love it from people who have interacted with zombie Captain America. They are loving it so far. (laughs) So I feel like that's going to go real well. I mean, the thing that is the benefit of going to like in, you know, an Oogie Boogie party or a Boo Bash is seeing sometimes those really rare characters that come out that you can't see in the regular parks, you know, which is super cool. So I hope they, I think that they probably are in competition with the other parks that are doing more Halloween based things like uh, Knott's Berry Farm has their scare farm and Universal has their Halloween Horror Nights. And I think Disney wants a piece of that pie. So absolutely, absolutely. Maybe a little, a little less uh, sanitized Halloween experience. Although, you know, this year they do have Agatha from WandaVision, you know, she's pretty scary. And they have a couple of other characters that are a little bit, you know, scarier than than years past, you know. So I, I think they're they're amassing a pretty good roster of villains and and scary things. And certainly, I would anticipate seeing some Muppets Haunted Mansion tie-ins in the future, which I cannot wait. If that's the case. It is a a very tentative but uh, definitive move toward perhaps adultifying some of their Halloween. I was going to say last week, sorry, spoiler alert for Muppets Haunted Mansion, listen away or look away (laughs) now. But my favorite character interaction was with Constance Hatchaway. Unexpectedly at Disneyland last, and I was going to say last year, two years ago, they had these Haunted Mansion figures, very rare figures, kind of just pop up out of nowhere. They weren't announced They didn't say that they were going to pop up, but like in the special corner where you meet Jack and Sally next to the store, they had Constance Hatchaway, they had the hitchhiking ghosts, 
they had the I was gonna call him gravedigger yeah the at the cemetery yeah and he they just popped up and so they had a rotating set of characters and my favorite interaction was with Constance Hatchaway I'm gonna post our picture somewhere around here because she we asked her oh how did you get here what does it mean that you're a murdering bride and she was telling us about all the husbands that she had offed <laughs> and how it was suspicious and she was so good I said this needs this all of the time just di- rare Disney characters coming out and then developing backstories and making you feel part of that whole world it was the best interaction I've ever had with oh, awesome. anyone at Disneyland so I do hope more for more zombie Captain Americas and zombie Black Widows, <laughs> zombie <laughs> pa- Black Panthers, just like everybody <laughs> to yes. come out so they can experience that. For sure. I think it's a great way for them to switch it up and to stay competitive. You know, it makes sense. It makes sense from a business standpoint and from a fan standpoint, it just sounds like a lot of fun. It does. But um, being back to the holidays for a second, I am very excited because they are bringing back, at least at Disneyland, they're bringing back the Christmas fantasy parade. They're bringing back Believe in Holiday Magic Fireworks and their small world overlay for the holidays. I just feel like it's not really a holiday if I'm not at Disneyland for the holidays. Like you just need that special like Disney kind of feeling because I used to watch that Christmas parade all the time when I was a kid in Anaheim. And so for it to be gone for the year, I I was I wasn't sure they were going to bring them back because you don't know what they're thinking as far as crowds go. But hopefully they will be contained and (laughs) we'll have that same Disney experience that we always have every year for the holidays. Oh, if you go and you see the it's a small world holiday overlay you have to send me pictures or you have to put pictures on the blog because I'm one of those weirdos that like freaking loves it's a small world I know like all the words to the song I'm like I'm obsessed with it's a small world it does not annoy me I know it's repetitive and annoys some people but it is honestly probably one of my all-time favorite rides of anything ever and I just I find it very enjoyable and charming and just the idea that it has a holiday overlay is just I'm very jealous I was gonna say the Walt Disney World doesn't have their decorations do they have any you know they have anything inside to relate to the holidays no right they don't they don't, they don't have any kind of overlay of to the rides themselves they have you know they have decorations throughout the uh, you know they have things throughout the park they have things for the holidays it depends on where you go to like for example one of my favorite recent holiday traditions in the disney parks is the diwali celebration in animal yeah. kingdom which is absolutely so much fun and so spectacular and it's so cool and you know it's definitely something that you don't get to experience every day in Orlando you know they have a huge huge parade every single day uh, in in the Asia pavilion of Animal Kingdom so you know it depends on where you go like I said that before the festival of holidays they have Epcot uh, Hollywood Studios is is really kind of a mishmash right now so mm. they don't really have a very unified holiday approach to things so you know because they do have that after hours you know merriest merriest nights right now they're calling it right um, I think it's kind of similar to what they're doing in LA but because of that they don't really bring out the big guns during the day you know they have basic photo ops and they might have some holiday themed like parades and things like that but it's really they really want to keep the big holiday spectaculars to the paying customers 
for the evening show. Right. So, but you know, it's still a nice place to go. I, I'm also a really big fan of, it's not a theme park, but I guess it's theme park adjacent is Disney Springs has a lot of holiday goings on. Uh, one of my favorites in recent years has been uh, the tree trail. So they have mm. about 25, 26 different Christmas trees decorated. And I think I sent you some of the photos last yeah. year. One or two years ago when we last went, because they have Haunted Mansion Christmas tree, they have uh, they have themes. So they have a Toy Story Christmas tree, and then they have like all the different IPs that they have. They have 101 Dalmatians, so everything is black, white, red. It's so amazing, and they have like obviously this is Florida, so we don't really get snow except for like once in a freak, you know, blue moon. So they have like fake snow and they, it's just a really, like, it's a really cute trail. You literally just, it's a trail where you walk through and they're playing loud holiday music and you look at all these beautifully decorated trees. So, you know, things like that, it's, it depends on where you go. They have different things. So yeah, I mean, I, they don't really have overlays of the rides mm-hmm. like you guys. They definitely don't have a, a holiday. It's a small old holiday. It's, it's adorable. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out a time to go for the holidays because I am now in that I'm going to be in that magic key pass limbo of not knowing when reservations are going to come up. So I'm trying to figure out when to go for the holidays, but I don't think I'm going to be able to see the fireworks because I think those are reserved for the weekends. But we do at Disney California Adventure, we're going to be having our own festival of holidays because we used to have that too. So ours is on a much smaller scale. We do have booths that represent different cultures around the world related to their food. So like we have some for um, like food, Hanukkah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Hanukkah and different holidays around the world. And it's delicious every single year. And it's doable just because our park is so much smaller. So it's only right. like 12 booths. And so They usually offer a badge where you can like rip off your tabs. It's a pretty good deal that they usually have for either six or eight tabs. And you can get like a main entree out of that. If you price it right and price it well, it depends on how much the pass is, but it usually works out that it's kind of a deal for that. So we have our own little festival holidays that we have at California Adventure. And I'm really glad it's coming back this year because I wasn't sure if it was going to, as with many things, but I'm glad (laughs) that it's going to be returning so we can see oh. that but i will i will for sure be sending like all the small world pictures and yeah and on tiktok I, well, when we go back i will we'll be sharing some of the stuff we do have we are on tiktok and youtube and instagram and other social media stuff so uh you know we'll be sharing little extras and fun like that so stuff like that when we go to the different parks so yes please stay tuned for that because we yes. we can all use more disney content on <laughs> On on all the social medias. That's how we know anything is happening, really. So thank you for that. I know that that Genie Plus debuted this week only because all my timeline was people yelling at each other about it. It's new, y'all. I got to see how it plays out. But it's it's the same thing we talked about last week. People are confused, find it too convoluted and... uh, figuring out how to what to do about how to work it and how to get I mean basically I I heard you know heard somebody comparing like oh I I feel really sorry for people who are beginners at Disney this year because it's like crash course for like bar exam you know or something like super complicated (laughs) like uh, fresh out of high school you now you have to take the bar exam like it's kind of one of those things like it's very for a newcomer I think the learning curve is pretty steep these days so we'll see but I, that's how I heard about, that's how I have sort of uh, kept my finger on the pulse of what people think, because, you know, there was a sort of like a, a civil war happening in the, in Disney Twitter and Disney Instagram, people yelling at each other about whether they thought it was a good thing or a bad thing. So. <laughs> that sounds completely tragic, but <laughs> oh was. man. 
Do yeah, I just I just want to go to the parks and like have like a Mickey Mouse waffle and like buy, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to get involved in any of that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm cu- I'm so curious what that looked like on yeah, the socials. Yeah. It sounds like a mess. Yeah, yes, really I need to go back and look. What about Legoland Florida this week? Yes, yes this it week? celebrated. Yes, yeah. it actually was three days ago. Okay, it celebrated its tenth anniversary in Legoland Florida it was the yeah, 10th anniversary it used to be Cypress Gardens which was the first legit theme park in America it operated for over 70 years before it shut down in 2009 and then Legoland Florida opened up in 2011 little pieces of Cy- the original Cypress Gardens is is still in there's it's still preserved in that's Legoland, nice Florida. it is yeah <laughs> I mean it was a it was like a legit theme park it had roller coasters and literally themes in different lands and things like that so it was, oh, right. it was, it was kind of a, a precursor to a lot of what we know as theme parks and it's very interesting if you want to ever go down that internet rabbit hole and read a little bit about Cypress Gardens history but, but yeah Legoland celebrated 10 years today and I've only been once with a lot of children and that's all I kind of remember from that experience I was gonna say I don't think it's one of those that's in our demographic no. anymore <laughs> no and at one point i don't know if uh, this was the case then i don't know if it's the case now but you could not be an adult going by yourself you had to like have a child with you at some point i did hear that i think the same rules applied for legoland here in cal in california yeah. have they done away with that i actually don't know just because all my friends kids are just you know too old to want to go to legoland florida now but when they were little it was the case and it was like, and they were super strict about it. Like you could only, like it would have to be like one adult per X amount of kids. And you definitely just couldn't just go and just stroll around as an adult by yourself. I was going to say, how did they enforce that even? Cause like, what if you were meeting up with friends and yeah. you're like, here's evidence of the children I will be, <laughs> I will be with today. Please let me in. They're real. I swear. No, yeah. I don't really know how they enforced it. I just know that they were very particular about it. You definitely just couldn't be like me and my son. We're both adults and we just show up to, you know, the Disney parks or whenever we want, you know, and just stroll around and have lunch and go home. You, could, you can't do that. Could not do that. I don't know if that's still the case, but when I went a few years ago, you had to have children with you. It'd be accompanied by a minor, which is usually the other way around. A minor had to be accompanied, <laughs> but you had to be accompanied by at least one child under the age 12, under the age of 12. But it was really like, I, I went with like a bunch of kids. It was one of those things where like all my friends with all their kids showed up. So I kind of just right. remember like a lot of child wrangling. I don't really yeah. recall like a lot of like, I don't know, like, like you said, we're outside of the, the target demo. I don't think I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's not enjoyable for adults, but it's definitely mm-hmm. not for <laughs> like, it's right. very, it's very targeted to, you know, young children sensibilities and even everything down from the color scheme to the music choices right. to the food choices and the different kiosks, everything is extremely, and I would even say primarily kid-friendly. So that is how Legoland differs. And there's so many adults, though, who love Legos or Lego collectors. So I can see people trying to do like, you know, photo shoots at Legoland, like with their built Legos. I know nobody's done that yet. Copyright me. But like, if somebody... <laughs> But uh, if that seems to be, I mean, I understand the idea of it, but also it's so, it's so suspicious. There's so it many is. like underlying, <laughs> underlying terrible thoughts that that, that that brings up, but. It is, it is. And you know, it's, it's really interesting because there is a Lego store, a fairly large one, fairly comprehensive one. And I would say even cutting edge where they have some of the newer sets over in Disney Springs, the right. strip mall that's near the resorts. And that is not kid-friendly at all. I and mean, they have some kid displays, but it is very geared toward the adult collector. 
So it's very interesting to see the contrast between those two approaches. Legoland is absolutely, they don't give a crap about, <laughs> about the adult collectors. You're like, you know, incidental if you go, I mean, you know, they, they do obviously sell a lot of merchandise, but it is, it is extremely kid oriented. And, they would uh, be making so much bank if they decided to put like a giant Lego store next to their whole entire land that hopefully everybody will be welcome into, but I've never considered that before, like being yeah. banned from a park because I'm an adult, like who happens to like Legos, like yeah. in the same way that Disney builds Disney adults when they're children and you have this, you know, grand notion and such so, so many happy memories at Disney as a kid. If you're building those same memories at Legoland as a child and you grow up and you're like, I would really like to go back to Legoland to see if it, <laughs> see if I still, oh, wait, I nope. can't. So. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You know, oh, I kind of wondered that though, you know, because it is only 10 years old. I'm kind of yeah. wondering if they will shift their approach to that because, you know, they are after 10 years, they are at a point where their youngest audiences 10 years ago are now teenagers. 20, and yeah. <laughs> something. So I kind of wonder if, this is going to be its marker going forward or if it is something that they will adapt to going forward i wouldn't be surprised if going forward they did start to become um targeting wider variety of ages just mm. because like exactly what you said they age people grow up liking legos and playing with legos and, and they they tie in everything like the lego movies and all of this right. stuff so i mean and kids grow up those movies are actually a few years old by now and so some of those kids are now in middle school or high school and you know, it does seem like they're leaving money on the table for that, but I don't, I really, I have to say, I'm not super keyed in with Legoland strategy. It might be interesting to, you know, kind of do a little deeper dive. Into. Yeah, I just wrote that down because now I got to know. Now I got to know what this is. I, Lego. Told, I told you on episode one, we are nosy people. That is why we started nosy. this. <laughs> we have to find out adults are banned at Legoland. Don't this come is... at us if we don't know. Like, uh, like we, we don't know. We don't, I'm telling, this is how me and Amy have been spending like 50% of our time is like that sounds interesting we should look into that we, we should, should look we into should. that that's our business it's like These our are business things we don't know <laughs> yeah we mind our business and also everyone else's business so yes it's true. we will we may have some updates about legoland marketing strategy in the future for sure um but speaking of <laughs> speaking of themed land since you were talking about it before uh universal studios beijing also has many themed lands they just recently opened, I believe. Yeah, four weeks ago. Four weeks, four ago. weeks ago. It says September 14th. All 10,000 tickets sold out during the pre-sale. Yep. It's sold been out. book solid the entire time. It's been books, it's book solid to the next month. I mean, it is like, they are full to the brim. They are just completely, every restaurant they have, everything they have has just been booked. Absolutely solid. And it's really funny because people thought this was a very risky move to start you know, open a theme park right now with, you know, tourism is still in flux because of the COVID situation and people really didn't know what types of crowds. Well, the answer is the really big crowds because yeah, Universal Studios Beijing is monstrously huge hit. It is a clear cut success. They must be very happy with it. You know, they, they are competing with Shanghai, Disney, uh, yes. It is the only theme park in Beijing right now. Uh, so they are really trying to draw some crowds away from some of the, you know, Shanghai Disney and Tokyo Disney and some of the Hong you know, Kong. Uh, yeah. Hong Kong, <laughs> right. Hong Kong. And so it is the only major theme park in Beijing right now. So it's not, it doesn't have a lot of like ultra, ultra local competition, but I think 
that the success has even surpassed like their best <laughs> their best right. expectations. I but. think people just have shown beyond interest like whatever their expectations were it's like it was this area was clearly starved for <laughs> some kind of super <laughs> entertaining and one of the themed parts of this park is a kung fu panda area yes, <laughs> yes it's beautiful it is so beautiful i'm a big fan of that franchise i'm a big fan of jack black I think that's probably, you You really can't uh, discredit how much effort went into making this a truly unique theme park experience. And there are, it is the only Kung Fu Panda themed land in the, on the planet right now. So it has a lot of things that are unique to Universal Studios Beijing. And so for people who are theme park enthusiasts, even if you have gone to other theme parks, you know, in Shanghai and Hong Kong and other places like that. This is a one of a kind experience right now. So I think they really put a lot of hard work into it. And I just, if you get a chance to, if you're listening to this, if you get a chance to Google what the Kung Fu theme looks like, it is, they put no expense spared. It's really a very, very beautiful themed land. And I'm sure that's been a big draw because really a lot of, that's a really big franchise. I think they went up mm-hmm. to part four now. They, it's, they've had, you know, quite a lot of, uh, of parts and, uh, you know, and it's a big, it's a big hit. So. And uh, they were talking about ticket prices and it equates to $64.76 US, which is super reasonable for a yeah. theme park. Like that's it not is. even expensive for (laughs) yeah yeah you know uh, do you know what the prices are for like disney hong kong and disney shanghai because i actually have not seen like u.s prices for that so i'd be curious to see if the value of it was (laughs) i do i do remember when people have been going to shanghai but i'm gonna look it up right now yeah a kung fu panda themed land and in addition to that they have they have your base i was gonna call them basic but maybe not basic they have your regular lands they apparently harry potter is really popular there they have have Transformers Metro Base. They have Hollywood Land. I was just remembering last week you said no more minions because they have a minion land. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. And you know, this has been a long, long time in the making. I think it's taken almost 20 years for this to open. I mean, they had multiple delays, logistics and COVID and all kinds of so it's almost a two-decade delay that they've had. The anticipation, I'm sure people were just chomping at the bit to see this and you know and so it's, it's been hugely anticipated and it seems like it's paid off because it is booked solid. <laughs> I and can they imagine. They don't really have, Beijing doesn't have this big branded kind of theme park experience. So this is a big first and it's a huge hit. So, but yeah, if you get a chance to like look it up, it looks amazing and it looks super high tech and very modern and just beautiful. So it's exciting. <laughs> I want to see, I'm sure there will be YouTube video upon YouTube video coming so out sure. about, about what that looks like. Um, so I can't wait to see it. I'm, <laughs> I'm very curious that I know at Universal Studios Hollywood, they have for Chinese New Year, they bring out Kung Fu Panda and they bring out some of those characters yes. um, with really basic American Chinese food. <laughs> so I am super curious what the dining options will be for Universal Studios awesome. Beijing. Will it look like American Chinese food or are they going to be serving like authentic Chinese food at a Chinese <laughs> park? Extremely important question. I'm a big foodie, so I, <laughs> yeah. I definitely need to know. Just add that to the things we need to be nosy about for future episodes. Um, yeah, because <laughs> we need to know what that food's going to look like. Because they make those comparisons, too, in, like, yeah. Tokyo. So they have, like, Japanese food, but it's also, like, Disney-fied. So, Disney-fied. I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
So it might be more for the American palate compared to like, I don't know, your regular Japanese local who wants to go to the parks. But I did find out how much Shanghai Disney prices are. They're calling it for a regular ticket, $61.58 and a regular, yes, a regular plus for $77 and uh, one cent. So it's comparable to, to Beijing. Yeah, I, I, I would be curious to see if their target was like, you know, because here in Florida, as well as in Los Angeles, a, a big part of what the parks do, both Universal and Disney, targets locals and targets us to get us to return over and over again. That's why they have the different festivals. They have the Festival of Arts. They have Halloween Horror Nights and all these other things. Right. So I'd be kind of curious to see if that's what they're doing in these, uh, you know, smaller, more localized parks where they are the one of a kind offering in their in the city. And, uh, you know, so I, I'd be curious if that if they have that same type of approach where, uh, you know, they do a lot for the locals. I did read there. I'm reading an article here that I haven't pulled up that uh, they're expecting that it would the first year they're anticipating one billion dollars in profit. So in operating wow. cash flow. Yeah. So they are expecting it to uh, be very profitable. So it does seem to be like, you know, on the mark with that, because again, two straight months, completely, right. completely book solid way in advance. So that's not nothing. One billion bucks. <laughs> yeah. Know, we'll so. see. If, we'll see if the momentum keeps until like, you know, past the two month mark or is this yes. like opening day excitement, but right. that's something <laughs> we have to keep our, to keep our no- nosing selves on to figure out what absolutely going on you know and and there is a lot of talk about how these themed experiences are kind of popping up all over the world and there are some people who are like well you know the more we have of them the less special they get the less you know one of a kind experience but you know yeah. I, I it is but at the same time i think universal studios beijing and other even disneyland paris and other places they are showing that each place has its own unique spin on the ips you know i i think there's probably room for quite a lot more theme parks than we currently have i don't think it's necessarily diminishing yeah (laughs) what the offers for the for the two coasts you know here and and i you know i've been saying you and i we need to go on like a world tour of uh of the parks and just kind of see what what all they're all about because i mean if we end up in asia we can hit like five of them right there so i mean there you go (laughs) that's just like one big trip that you need to plan we're just being practical right now it's just practical you know it just just makes sense it just just makes makes sense <laughs> we just have oh, to yes. hit like if we hit one you can clearly hit the other ones because they're yeah. in proximity so absolutely little 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 jump i think probably some people are doing that you know i'm, I'm wondering if i if anybody's listening to this that has done that and said they're going to go to universal beijing and then hop over to disneyland shanghai or hong kong let us know and let us know how you planned your itinerary because you know maybe we'll, we'll hopefully one day we will be able to uh, emulate that honestly that's <laughs> best part about like people who go to the parks and people who are on YouTube is that they kind of help figure out the logistics for you. I mean, like if we're thinking about transportation or people worried about traveling and how they're going to travel in a country where they don't really know the language, the appearance of it makes it easier and practical to be able to visit places that you've never been before under the Disney context. So <laughs> you're having, you're in a place where you know something fa- or something familiar or universal Beijing. So you know something already, but the logistics of getting there and figuring out you know where to stay I think that's the best part about like uh theme park travel 
the community. Absolutely. You know, as we were mentioning earlier, the learning curve is getting steeper because things are getting more complicated and, you know, there is more complexity to planning a vacation centered around visiting theme parks these days, whichever theme park you might choose to go to. They are getting more complex in their offerings and in their systems and in their plannings and their even like their food reservations and right. I mean and, and you know add another layer to that with everything with the pandemic happening there's they're often ever changing you know they, they change constantly what is what the requirements are and even like how to order food has changed yeah. in the last few months you know Very like true. just something like how to how to get french fries at the local kiosk has changed yeah. in the Disney parks like something that simple so you know you have all these considerations that that is part of what I enjoy about the theme park community online is that they do tend to demystify and sort of explain uh, yes. some of the processes and make it a little bit less uh, hair pulling and maddening. <laughs> and harrowing and scary. And so, yes. yes, thank you for that, Disney community, all theme park communities. We're going to jump back in our plane and come back to Florida, <laughs> where we heard this year... Uh, Walt Disney World is getting their candlelight processional back. I'm super excited okay. for you guys. We don't know about us yet, so <laughs> well, really, they don't have it. They haven't announced it yet. I think they, they I think they actually I did, and I just wasn't paying. But we haven't announced uh, narrators Ooh, or anything gosh. for our park yet. Um, you guys yeah. have some narrators this year. They haven't announced all of them yet. So today okay. was the first. It was the first announcement that we had today. They announced the one I am most excited about, which I have gone ahead and made uh, an Epcot park reservation for one of her dates is Jody Benson, who is the voice of Ariel in The Little Mermaid. She will be there for three days, uh, which means she does, I think, six or nine shows. I forget mm -hmm. if they're doing, I don't know if they're doing two or three shows per day. Uh, and for those of you who have never heard of the Candlelight Processional at Epcot, it is a really beautiful show that they do in uh, one of the Epcot pavilions where they have a celebrity narrator read the Christmas story from the Bible, and then they have a conglomerate of choral singers. So my son actually was one of the, was in the choir, in the high school choir, his high school choir for two years in a row participated in, so they select from all over Florida high school choirs to be part of the choir that sings different Christmas carols. I'm pretty sure they keep the same program. It's pretty much the same thing every year. The part of the novelty is to see the different uh, narrators. So they have, um, they have some local choirs, uh, high school choirs. They have a choir made of people who just work in the parks. And then they have the Voices of Liberty, which are the people who sing folk songs. It's an eight-part acapella folk song chorale uh, for the America Pavilion in Epcot. So you get a couple hundred singers all together and then a live orchestra and a conductor. And they it's a live show where in between the different segments of the Christmas story, they sing different uh, Christmas carols and holiday songs from all around the world. They sing them in France, they, in French, they sing them in uh, Spanish, and they have different, in German, I think they sing the Silent Night, they sing in German. Try to have a little bit of a multicultural element, but it is a really, really spectacular show. And it's really cool because they do have a bunch of different celebrity celebrity narrators. But I, the one I'm, they haven't announced them all. There's big gaps in the schedule right now, but the one I'm, I'm excited about is Jodie Benson because she's- Yeah, like, of course she is she is ariel yes, yes. <laughs> let's do a little rundown uh the ones that they've announced so far uh first one is cheetah rivera and then also a legend yeah also okay. a legend in her own right uh, i'm so glad that she she will be there um next is jody benson alton fitzgerald white lisa ling who i would definitely go to candlelight sure. processional to see lisa ling <laughs> 
Absolutely, um, another legend. Yeah. So I mean, they have they have huge names every year. They've had Phil Collins. I mean, they've had Neil Patrick Harris. The last person I saw do it was Anna Gasteyer. You know, so she was really great. She was really very lively, heartfelt. You know, I've seen Blair Underwood. I mean, they really they don't scrimp on. Yeah, on Blair the Underwood will be it will be uh, making his. He gets the day after Christmas, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> He's getting December 26th through December 28th. Stephen Curtis Chapman is getting December 23rd through the December 25th. And Pat Sajak is rounding everybody off at the bottom, December 29th through December 30th. So yeah, that's a good list of very known names. And I'm jealous of your candlelight processional just because it's so expansive at your pavilion. Ours is at the front because we don't have room for anything. So ours is (laughs) at the front of Disneyland in front of our train station. And they set up the chair all along the street and it's just kind of like blocked off so if you do want to see candlelight processional at disneyland you have to be there as soon as the parks open for the first Uh. for the first reading if you want to see that without getting tickets or you just have to line up along the side of the ropes where they're roped (laughs) off and basically stand there all day until the very first reading people do the shift the second there's two readings at disneyland So for the second reading, the people who are behind the people in the first reading usually shift. And so that they take their places right away as soon as they leave or (laughs) if they decide to leave. Less of a candlelight processional, more like a candlelight like dog pile kind of. It's kind of a candlelight dog pile. Um, I have mistakenly been there so many times unintentionally because I usually don't want to go on very busy weekends or I try to avoid those very large crowds because I just don't feel like wrangling it myself. And especially at Disneyland, like I said, there's no room to move. So you just want to get out, but you can't. So I've been stuck there a couple of times and they do open the backstage passageway so that you're able to at least make it through main street and then try to make it down to the other side. I know I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like visualize how this works out. Right. It sounds, it sounds, yeah, I was going to, I mean, to put it, put it succinctly, succinctly. Yes. It sounds like a mess. I I will say the, the one in Epcot is, I wouldn't say it's like brilliantly organized, but it is, it is a little more organized. Do you know how it's organized? If you just want to see the candlelight processional and not. They do have, they do have fast passes. Oh, okay. Before. Also, there are some VIP. So they have, there are vantage points around the pavilion that they do it in so that you can for example make reservations they have special reservations for some of the restaurants that are around the processional so you can uh, have dinner while you are watching the candlelight processional now I am one of those cheesy people that likes to like sing along at the top of my lungs like just in general but especially for the candlelight processional like I just I like to sing along to things and so I don't like to eat while Mm. I'm watching the candlelight processional because you know because then every I don't get to do my little free Christmas concert. You're welcome, right. everyone mm-hmm. around me. You know, so like I just I sing along to everything. So um yeah, so like but they actually do encourage you to sing along to things. They do actually ask you to stand up when they do the uh, Hallelujah chorus from Handel's Messiah and all this oh, sort of nice. stuff. So it's really cool because you know everybody sings along and you actually hear people doing like the four different parts of, of the chorus. And so um yeah, uh, it is a little bit more organized. You do have uh, tiers of different things that you can do like for reservations for restaurants and uh but i i have 
never try to go and had to wait more than an hour or two. Mm. I, I, especially with the crowd control that they're doing this year, I do not anticipate it being hard to get. Nevertheless, because the reservation system is in place, if you do want to see this the show in, in Epcot, uh, I would advise making the reservation sooner rather than later. I just, I do think it's probably going to fill up pretty quickly. That sounds super pleasant. And that's <laughs> sounds so nice uh i know that we do have dinner reservations for hours um i don't necessarily know what the benefit is to that because uh like i said just giant crowd shoving in the front uh also the reason for probably our crowds is that we don't have them as often as you do at epcot like we only have it for a weekend so it's usually just it's usually just a couple people i remember i think it was chris helmsworth came one weekend and so everybody nearly died and so everybody (laughs) as soon as the the disney rumor ran out just thinking about it you know (laughs) chris helmsworth is yeah (laughs) they were like oh my god we have to be at candlelight (laughs) So, and then the last, I believe the last narrator they had was uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And so people were also just kind of like waiting to see yeah. him like come on the side. So that I think that's a big reason for ours to just be as packed as it is, is because yeah. there's just not as much opportunity to see celebrities and that beautiful ceremony more than one, like more than the few times that it happens during the weekend. But you guys have so many narrators yeah. and so and they days. do it and they and yeah and each narrator gets a few days and each day right. has a few things so that is one good thing is if you miss the morning one then you right. can see the afternoon one or the evening one they have a lot plenty of opportunities certainly if you're one of those people who does, does epcot all day and if you're gonna do epcot during the holidays i mean that's for me that's one of the can't miss shows and it is a really it is special just to see the voices of liberty and this special choir that they put together of disney cast members and to see the kids from all around the state it's really special and it's really lovely and it's a uh, just a nice little, you know, addendum to your holiday season if you're into it. I would love to go one year to Epcot and see the candlelight processional there. I will be waiting for Mr. Jonathan Groff of Frozen Frame to be there once again. He did his what back is in... the holdup? I don't know. <laughs> it's been at this point, it's been six years. So the last time he was a narrator was 2000, the beginning of 2015. So if he decides to come wow. back and do another Disney, then yeah, I will be there. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, th- I've just I I'm very excited for Jodie Benson because I've been a fan of hers for like decades at this point, you know, very excited to see her, you know, read. And I'm sure she won't sing, but you know, it's just, she has a beautiful speaking voice to begin with. So that's why she's this incredibly legendary voice actor. So you'll keep I did get to see her at the Little Mermaid Live at the Hollywood Bowl. She was our Ariel uh, right after Sarah Bareilles. So that was nice. Um, I'm excited for you to see her though. And yes. hopefully she does decide to just bust out. Yes, <laughs> bust yes, out <laughs> a little solo there right i mean they had they have had singers and they had you know they had neil patrick harris before and he didn't sing so he's a wonderful (laughs) singer so but you know they're there to read or whatever i mean but i just i just want to like breathe the same air as jody i'm just so excited I'm sure I'll record some of it and put it up on our TikTok and, and our YouTube. Yes, please. We need all the all the legends on there to share. Um, even if we see on the Twitters, we will be <laughs> retweeting <Twitters>. all of <laughs> those things, all on the Twitters and the Instas and the everything. We'll post in stories. We'll keep we'll keep you apprised. We're not going to fall down on that job. Absolutely. I mean, still speaking of the holidays since we are since we're bypassing well it's october it's mid-october so apparently according to dr seriously 
Uh, it's already the holiday season. No, I'm just According I, I'm, to the theme parks. We should already be celebrating Christmas. Christmas. Right. <laughs> it's practically New Year, according to them. So it's their fault that we're cel- that we're still like firmly in holiday mode. But yeah, what do you think about Universal and Disney? And do you know what SeaWorld and Bush Gardens are doing for their oh, holiday girl. situation? They're doing all the things. So this is what we were talking about. We were talking about earlier, just before we got on here. So like, there's this, uh, to me, it's just so interesting. The approach to this very carefully manicured and curated and organized approach. The big two Universal and Disney theme parks have both to celebrating the different seasons throughout the year. And I don't mean that just in terms of holidays, but like, for example, like Disney Springs has had every month have has, has had uh, you know, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and then they had LGBTQ Month, and then they had li- li- recently Latino and Hispanic Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, so each month they do different things uh, in the resorts, and then in the parks themselves they have the Festival of the Arts in Epcot and the Garden, the Flower and Garden. And same with Universal, they don't do it as frequently as I think the Disney parks do. They don't take adva- advantage of so many different holidays and eras, but they definitely have. I mean, Halloween. Horror Nights is legendary. They definitely have a very clear cut between that and their holiday celebrations. And then they have Mardi Gras in February, which is a really, really good time. If you haven't gone to Universal Studios Mardi Gras, they go legit. They are big all out. It is a party every single day but it is distinct. They're distinct eras they have throughout the year. And that is, again, what we were mentioning earlier was part of their draw of getting the locals back in. So if you have a pass, you have a reason to go back over and over again. That is really fun. I think it's very effective for someone who is a local with passes. It definitely does get me back over and over again, just to see what they're up to. But in contrast... In sharp contrast, Bush Gardens and SeaWorld have like five different things going on at the same time. Like right now they have at SeaWorld, they have the kids Halloween celebration and they have Hollow okay. Scream. And then they have some kind of like beer festival situation happening, like literally in the same park at the same time. Like what, you know, it's like they are celebrating like five different festivals in one tiny little park at the same time. So I guess there's like pros and cons to that. What do you, what do you think are like? <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't be celebrating like in October. I like, if I went to Epcot, I doubt that the Germany pavilion would be giving me free beers at the same time as I don't know, Christmas decorations are happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's October. It is Oktoberfest to be fair. It yeah. is the Oktoberfest era. You know, see, there's a lot of little mini Oktoberfest happening all over the country and the world. Right. This is Oktoberfest season. And I, I almost wouldn't be surprised, but I'm just saying they have like two different Halloween festivals happening side by side, plus the kids weekend, plus the beer festival, like literally in the same space. So I, I don't know. I feel like that's a lot. It's a lot. It's like, that's too much. I feel like that's too much going on because you kind of want to focus on one event at a time. I'm thinking of the way that Disneyland does theirs. And yeah, they have something on, uh, let's say Mardi Gras. And so they have little celebrations around New Orleans Square. But at the same time, we're not celebrating like Easter at the same time (laughs) where you have, 
you know, like an Easter egg hunt or something. So, right. right. I mean, um, yeah, that's, you know, if you, if you look at their, if you look at their like Bush gardens, if you look at their event calendar, they have Thresreyes, which is like three Kings celebration, which is like the epiphany in the Catholic church. So it's like, it's like the Christmas for a lot of Hispanic right. and Hispanic diaspora, I guess, you know, countries. We celebrate January 6th having, you know, the gift giving and the three Kings the three wise men visiting uh, the stable and leaving you presents. So that's the Santa for a lot of like Latin America and Hispanic diaspora uh, countries. So they have that celebration in January and also Mardi Gras and also Kids Weekend. I feel like that's a lot happening. And they're small parks. These are not these expansive, massive, you know, geographically, you know, huge kinds of parks there's, there's a pretty small park so i'm just kind of i don't know i i know that some of them only happen on the weekends and some yeah. of them have only happen on the weekdays so maybe that's what they switch off i can just imagine the kind of whiplash that the employees there must have yeah. <laughs> like today i'm doing mardi gras tomorrow i'm doing three kings you know <laughs> It just, it reminds me, we were just talking about festival of holidays and how like, if you were in one park, but you were celebrating a separate Hanukkah at the same time you were celebrating Christmas and you have dreidels spinning around (laughs) on Thursday and just Christmas things on Friday, that seems like, yeah, it is like, it's like park whiplash. Like you don't want, (laughs) you don't want to experience all these things at the same, at the same time. It's just, it should be, I think it should be distinct. Distinct. Like it yeah. now it's now they're not separating themselves from another theme park that would just wouldn't have anything. I think they're just doing a little too much on, yeah. <laughs> on that. I think that's probably true. I, I then this is pretty recent too. I think that they are trying to expand some of their offerings to entice locals and to just sort of vary, switch it up and not have the same thing that they have every year. So, you know, SeaWorld has been doing Hollow Screen for many, many years. And so right. this is a tradition for them. So the fact that they are adding in, you know, other things and the, the craft beer festival that they're having, these are, you know, these are, um, that it's not new to this year, but it's relatively new the kids weekends uh with the sesame street characters and all that stuff so they are trying to switch it up and it is an experiment maybe it is a growing pain i think ultimately yeah do you think they're trying like trying to compete with the bigger parks in that regard and trying to bring you know more people in for their special segmented holiday (laughs) structure whatever they're doing I mean maybe you know what I think it is is that they you know it's that's a good question and I kind of wonder if it's the other way around where they Mm. have hollow scream more that only appeals to like adults because hollow hollow scream is billed as a very scary like not recommended for young children kind of that's SeaWorld's Halloween Mm festivities and now we have a beer festival happening uh next door like literally in the same park I, like i said i am trying to like envision what this looks like and apparently it all of these things are happening right now in SeaWorld, and which is a, a fraction of the size of other parks and right. so and a lot of that is to a lot of that real estate is taken out by like ginormous tanks with the animals so i i'm yeah. kind of just wondering how this all plays out I think I, I mentioned in the last episode that I was kind of considering getting a SeaWorld pass just mm-hmm. to most just in loop because they are very affordable. I know that at one point in May, in uh, it was either Bush Gardens or SeaWorld, they had five different festivities in happening overlap, like five. Yikes. Five. Yeah, it's a lot, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. I know that they do. And they're maybe, like I said, I know that the kids weekend is just a weekend. So they're just, maybe they're trying out to see what, what sticks, you know, that's my only explanation for it. I just know that like, as a guest that might be wanting to plan a, a visit to a park, I don't go to very often, just kind of makes it a little bit more confusing and less uh, distinctive. And I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I think that's a good point though. I mean, in saying that it's a, a less visited park than the other theme parks in the area. Yeah. 
that they're making this attempt to kind of draw in people for the reasons that the other parks draw in people for the holidays, especially because they draw them in for Halloween, they draw them in for Christmas. So I can't fault them for trying to jump on that bandwagon, especially when it's so it's so popular in the other theme parks, the holidays, people just have an affinity for the holidays, and they want to go to a theme park and just enjoy, I don't want to say getting away from the, the personal their own personal lives to go into like this kind of magical like theme park Absolutely. but no but yeah. that's the case yeah, that's i mean that is it, that's, right? the, that's yeah. the vision is that is this immersive experience but how can you have an immersive experience when there's a beer festival going right. on like right across the way you know I, and you know what and the funny thing and i'm not disparaging beer festivals so i'm a, i like Oktoberfests. i like renaissance fairs and i like all these kind of things and i feel like Oktoberfests might be a, a niche that, that right. theme parks currently aren't capitalized like you mentioned you know the german pavilion and i've caught they should absolutely do like a mini Oktoberfest. that would be a brilliant idea because you know the germany pavilion doesn't have you know a whole lot copyright theme park real talk yes yes <laughs> credit absolutely you heard it here first you know so <laughs> They should have like an, a special Oktoberfest area, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves I'm doing saying. their little greeting at <laughs> that restaurant. So yeah, that would be fun. Disney, so, I mean, me. you know, the, you know, it, it's a cute idea. I just feel like alongside these three other things, it kind of like almost gets lost. And the, they aren't going to do away with Hollow Screen because it is a fairly popular. You know, they uh, right. one thing I will say one thing I will say about SeaWorld that has that they have an advantage over other like, over the the big two here. They do have some really great roller coasters. Mm. They have really intense roller coasters. Um, that some of the bigger ones in the entire southeast are found at SeaWorld and that might seem a little incongruous in terms of like you know the killer whale exhibit that they right. have right down there <laughs> I you know maybe but uh but they are really popular and for thrill seekers because some people do like theme parks for thrill seeking that is part of the appeal I was just looking through and I was just trying to like organize you know my itinerary or some of my plans for the next couple of months for the different theme parks and I was just like oh, let me just see what Bush Gardens is up to and it's like 27 different right <laughs> different things going on before the end of the year and going into the the new year and like i'm not even exaggerating five different offerings in may so um, i would be curious what our listeners think about that if they prefer the kitchen sink approach of bush gardens and sea world everything but the kitchen sink or if they like the more curated and segmented approach to the different holidays holiday specials i know where i stand I think that's a little too much. It's something that I, I couldn't plan out my life like that. Like I couldn't figure out, I just want to, I just kind of want to go to one park and just kind of enjoy one theme and get lost in that one particular theme. And if Oktoberfest in the Germany Pavilion is part of it, then so be it. That's fine. They should do it. I'm telling you. They, they should, should do, do it. it. But all right. I think that we're we're about wrapped up for this week yes. as far as topics. Do you want to tell, tell our audience a little bit about our socials? Yes, please catch us on all of the socials. We are Theme Park Real Talk on every platform except for Twitter, where our characters do not fit. So it's what it's on. What is it on t- on Twitter? It's it's theme Park RT Pod. Theme Park RT Pod. But we are on all the other socials uh, on Theme Park Real Talk, including TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Yeah, and, and we do have a website where you can find all these things, as well as liking and subscribing all of our episodes. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We are on google play and that is themeparkrealtalk.com and we have links to all of our socials on that as well so please do uh, like and subscribe and let us know what you think about our episodes and what you'd like to see discussed in future episodes yay like describe and comment we'll see you next time see you real soon bye